Uh, Matthew chapter number 5. Look with me at the verse, uh, just one verse of Scripture. It's found there in verse number 6. The Bible says that blessed are those which hunger or do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, there's some of you that are from the old school that you may say blessed are those. And some of you that look at it and say, well, that says blessed, you know, because I've got it on the tag of my car that says too blessed to be stressed, right? Uh, anybody got a t-shirt like that or a car tag like that? <laughs> a lot of times people do. Uh, but we are blessed. But look at this scripture with me. Here's the question that comes up to me. Um, are we blessed because we hunger and thirst? Or are we blessed because we shall be filled? When you look at that, I know that some of you are saying, Brother Steve, I guess that would probably matter on which side that you're looking from. That you would say, well, it could be any one of those. But really and truly, it's are we blessed because we hunger and thirst? Or are we blessed because God sees fit? to feed us or to fill us or to satisfy that desire. Um, this past Sunday morning, they sang a song, and uh, Sister Madeline sang the lead on it in the choir. And the word that just kept ringing all the whole week to me, Monday and Tuesday and today, is the desperate. Uh, there was a word that she kept singing about that we are desperate and being desperate for the Lord. Um, you know that your prayer life really becomes so heated when you're desperately needing God to move. Do you know that you're singing and you're praising of him and you're really tuning in of listening to music and gospel music and God speaking to you really heats up when what happens when you're desperately needing him. Your Bible study actually becomes longer and longer and longer because why? You're desperate for a word. When you're desperate, it gets bigger. It becomes more real. That's why in storms and in trials and in tribulations, those things are never, ever sent our way to hurt us or to harm us. They're never sent our way for God to pick at you and go, oh, well, I'm going to be God on the throne, and you're an ant, and I've got a magnifying glass, and I'm going to hurt you. No, that's not our God. Our God does those things in order for you to be desperate for the need of him. And, you know, there's a lot of you remember the day you got saved. As all Christians, it's like we can always kind of go back to that moment, that day we got saved. There's some of you that <clears throat> excuse me, have probably even wrote down the hour, wrote down when and what was going on. But there came a place or a time in your life that you became so desperate that you realized you had a greater need for yourself and a greater need for your life, and it was, it was God. And you remember that day that you called out upon the name of the Lord, and you remember how desperate you were and how, what, a, you, what a feeling that you got. You know, the Holy Spirit of God you know, comes in, takes over in the temple. We're the temple of God. He comes in and does that. And you can remember that. And I hear people, I hear Christians testifying all the time, Brother Steve, I wish I could feel the way I did when I first got saved. I wish I had that same desire and that hunger that I had when I first, first got saved. And I don't want to upset you and I don't want to offend you, but here's the answer or here's the question I want to put back to you. What have you done? What have you not done? How have you been obedient? How have you been disobedient in order to have that feeling taken away from you? Because even David himself said that same thing. David said in Psalms 51, restore the joy of thy salvation unto me, that I may teach sinners thy ways, you know, and teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted unto thee, Lord. 
David got to a place where he realized that he had taken steps that were in disobedience to the Lord and to his word, and he got to a place where he had lost his joy in his salvation. It doesn't say that David ever lost his salvation or his standing with God. What it means is, is that the fellowship and the sweetness that he had and that desire and that, that desperate need for God wasn't there in David's life. But then when he realized that he sinned, what happened? David's prayers began to turn up. Instead of David's, prayer, uh, David's ideas turning up like he did when he said, I can fix this problem. I'll, I'll bring Uriah back and he can go down to the house and he can uh, have a time with his wife and he'll think that it's his baby or I'll handle it by getting him killed in the heat of the battle or I'll handle it by putting under the rug and all that. When he finally figured out that he was the sinner and that the sin was his and it was ever in front of him, David then got desperate all over again. He became desperate all over again. What was his desperate need? Forgiveness. Not only was it for forgiveness, but even his sins would be forgiven because Nathan the prophet told David right then and there that whenever he confessed his sin, that he sinned before the Lord and he sinned before the people, and he says, listen, the child will die. He said, but you would be forgiven. You would have the forgiveness of sins. So he knew he would be forgiven. But what was David's desperate need in Psalms 51? What was his desperate cry? He was saying, God, I want to have the same fellowship that I had with you from the beginning that is now hindered because of my disobedience and because of my sin. And not only did David talk about it, but he said that his sin was ever before him. That David was saying that, God, I cannot rise in the morning. I cannot go to sleep at night. I cannot think through the day without my sin always being there. And listen, church, we know that we have forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no doubt. We have no other forgiveness. I can't forgive you of your sins. I can't declare you clean. I can't give you something to do or tell you to pray a certain way or do certain things at the church and offer certain uh, uh, sacrifices or giving money for penance and all of that stuff. No, no, no. When it comes to forgiveness of sin, there's only one that can forgive sin, and that is Jesus Christ through his own blood. Amen. He said, even, the, even the Pharisees said, who can forgive sins except for God? Amen. Because what did he do? He told the man that was lowered in the roof there that day, thy sins are forgiven thee. Go and sin no more. Thy sins. And they said, who can forgive sins except God? He is God. Amen. He's the son of God. He is God in the flesh, Emmanuel. But David still prayed and said, Lord, restore the joy. He said, my bones are waxing old within me because they ache because of my sin. He said, my tears are constantly flowing down my eyes to where I am now just seeming where it's almost I'm drying up because like a, a dry heave of being sick and just broken in sorrow. And David is saying, God, I, I want the joy back. I want to be restored. I want that back between you and I. I want that special closeness where when I call on your name, it's though you're there as my friend. When you call my name, then I can hear you immediately. And then I'm not deaf because I'm thinking about my own pleasure and my own self. Now, how many of you have ever gotten to that point before, have ever gotten that way in your life where your sins hinder you from hearing from God? But there are other times when you're so desperate for him that you get this overwhelming sense when you're reading the word of God as though he's sitting there and whispering it into your ear. As though when you're praising him, and you don't need to do it while you're riding down the road, but when you're praising him and you're singing unto him, you feel that and you understand that and you know that his presence is there. It's because of one reason, church. I've thought about this for this week and I've thought about it in this scripture. It's because you're desperate to hear from him. It's because you have a desperate need. You know what I mean? You have something where you go, I can't fix this. I can't handle this. And so, God, I need you. And then we come to this scripture. 
For 400 years, the Bible says from Malachi all the way to the book of Matthew, for 400 years, God is silent with his people. And what it means is, is that God's not given a new word or new revelation. He has basically told them that you do not obey what I've already given you, so therefore, I'm not giving you any more. And he does not speak. He tells Daniel to seal up the book. He tells Jeremiah and Isaiah what's going to happen when the Son of Man comes, how he's going to be born from a virgin, how he's going to be crucified, how he's going to be led to the slaughter as a lamb done before shear gives all the word of God but then they continue in disobedience and God for 400 years 398 400 years is silent with his people he doesn't give them a word they don't have a land they don't have the temple they have a temple but they're not doing temple worship in there because at the temple the Gentiles are trotting it over. There are Babylonians. There are Chaldeans. There are others that are in there. There's Antiochus Epiphanes IV that we talked about this past Sunday. And so they never truly are able to worship God in the right way. And you know what God says about them in Malachi? At the end of it all, he said, Your sacrifices to me are a stench in my nostrils. He said, You rob me in tithe and in offering. He said, you bring unto me the straggling little sheep that has broken legs or has mange or has all of these other things, and you're not bringing me the best of all things. And he's saying, your sacrifices, your offerings and all that, it is nothing but fake. And so there is not a word that I have for you except repent, repent. But then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. When Jesus comes on the scene, he's preaching. And church, he's preaching not a different word. He is preaching it in a different way. He is preaching the word of God as though he is the author of it. And you ought to insert amen right there because he is the author of it. But the Pharisees, they despise him. They hate him. Why? Because they had the people in their grips. They had the people giving the tribute money to the temple. They had the people grabbing hold of their money, grabbing hold of not only just in their money, but it isn't always about that, but also grabbing hold of their hearts. They were not worshiping God truly. They were worshiping the temple and worshiping the people working in the temple. And we don't need to do that. You don't worship a pastor. You don't worship a building. You don't worship North Holland. No, you worship God, the, the God of the house of God. Amen. Not the house of God, but the God of the house of God. And so Jesus, when he comes on the scene, especially these poor people that did not have the access to the Torah, did not have access to the scriptures, and some of them were Gentiles and didn't even have access to go onto the Temple Mount. When he comes on the scene and he starts preaching, and he starts sharing with them. And he says, you have heard that it's been said for you to hate your enemies. Jesus said, but I tell you to love your enemies. He's shocking everyone. First of all, the Pharisees, Brother Ricky, are mad at him. The southern term that we use is they're ticked off at him. And they're so mad at him because why? He is making them out to be the liars that they've always been. He's speaking truth, and he is shedding light to the lies that they have been telling. So that's why they were ready from the get-go to kill Jesus. If they were ready to kill him in one instance where he was speaking and preaching and testifying of God the Father, that they were going to take him right then and there and stone him, but he walked through the midst of them, and he went his way, man. Couldn't grab him. Because you know why? It wasn't his time. And we're going to talk about that this coming Sunday. But then those Gentiles and those poor Israelites, they're listening to Jesus and they're going, we've never heard somebody speak like this. We've never heard the word of God come out of somebody like that. When he speaks, 
that he speaks with such authority. Even his disciples that were with him, you know what they said about him? They were amazed. They said that when he speaks, even the winds and the waves obey him. He said when he speaks, even the demons are commanded to come out of the people and to go their way because he speaks with such authority. Whenever they opened up the roof there that day and let that boy down, the four friends that let him down, and he was he had a paralytic, and they, they had him in his bed, and then he walked out with the bed underneath his arms. You know what was said about it? The people in the house there that day said these words, We never saw it on this fashion. You know what that means? We ain't ever seen nothing like this. Because when he spoke, he did it with great authority and with great power. And so here comes Jesus on the scene. And he's telling them, blessed are you when you shall mourn. For you shall be comforted. He said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Then he gets down to this statement. He goes, blessed are you when you are hungry and you are thirsty for righteousness. For you shall be filled, or you will be filled. And you look at that and you go, all right, God, are we blessed because we're hungry and thirsty? Or are we blessed because you're going to fill us? Well, first of all, think of it like this. Where does being hungry and thirsty come from? Now, if you're from the deep south, you may say hungry. I think it's H-A-W-N-G-R-Y. Uh, or, or, or hangry. Some people say it that way. But where does it come from? Well, first of all, we know that being hungry and thirsty comes from, number one, not eating or drinking something. That's pretty, pretty obvious. I know that y'all are going, man, this pastor speaks with such wisdom. But it's not. You're hungry and thirsty because you're not eating and you're not drinking. The second reason that we get hungry, hungry and thirsty is because why? Because we're working and we're laboring and we're burning off of that. We're burning off the calories. We're burning off the nutrients. We're burning off the fuel from what we've eaten. And so, therefore, when we go out and we work and we do those things, we need to do what? To take more things in, right? Now, I wouldn't suggest that you take in a three-pound chocolate Hershey's bar with 6,750 calories, but I saw two guys almost try to do it uh, here at the church one night. But anyway, uh, it comes from working and laboring. Last, it comes from the most simple thing that you can think of. Think of it like this. Listen to me. You were designed to hunger and to thirst. Physically, you were designed for that. All right? So the next time you're sitting around somewhere and you're hungry and your stomach goes, you just tell, God made me that way. God made me that way. God has built inside of us. We are built in a wonderful way to where your brain understands from the gut and from the body being weak that you need to eat something, you need to do something about that. You know what I mean? Now, some of us, <laughs> some of our brains are working overtime, and I'll testify to that. Uh, some of our brains, we need to tell the brain sometimes, no, you're not hungry. But it tells us that when we're hungry. <laughs> sometimes these things I say, it takes a second or so to get, get, get down in there. But it's like a joke bomb. But uh, a grenade, it goes off later. Um, but it comes from the simplest way of all is that God's given us this. And I want you to notice something. E- even looking at creation and looking at the book of Genesis and understanding the fall and the sin, that it all came from what? It came from a desire for something more. Uh, I can't remember who it was that was talking the other day about the cows always being, if not have been Brother Bill, but the cows always have a big, huge pasture, but yet they always got their heads stuck in the fence trying to eat something off the other side, you know, and that is true, and that is, that's really true about all of us. You think of Eve and Adam in the garden. They had of everything they could eat of. God even said in the Word of God, you could eat of all of the trees that are in the garden. Everything that I've created, 
every herb, everything that I've done, every that yields fruit and does this, you can have of all this. But of the one, you can't. Isn't it the same way, just like that picture of that cow that's in a huge pasture with beautiful green grass but wants to stick its head out the fence by the road and eat that stuff that grows by the road? You know, why? Because there is that desire. We, we were born with this desire, this, this um, characteristic, this, this kind of ability, whatever you want to call it, within all of us that we hunger. Even people in this room that sometimes want to go, you know what, I just want to be left alone, and I don't want anybody to bother me, and I don't want, I don't want a wife, and I don't want a husband, and I don't want all of this stuff, and I, I just want to leave me alone and all that stuff. We all have a desire to be loved. Children have a desire when they're born to be loved. What do parents do when they're crying? I mean, you don't hold them. You want to hold them out here and go, stop! Right? Any parents in here? You know, little kids? Anybody remember your kids growing up? Mine was like 20 and 18 years ago, but I still remember it. And uh, where you're just like, you want to go, go deep, Patty. But anyway, what do you do? What does a parent do? What does a dad do? What does a mom do? When they're crying, what do you do? You're trying to figure out, first of all, what the problem is. Are they wet or do they need something to help them become wet, right? You're looking for all that stuff. But what do you do? You bring them in. You bring them in close. Because why? They want that. They have a hunger. They have a desire for that. And most every person that I've ever met that always want to isolate themselves and build a bubble up, the whole problem comes from is because they really, really just want to be loved. Madeline Murray O'Hare, anybody know that name? She gets, she gets marked up for getting a prayer out of all the schools and stuff. She gets all the blame for it all, although it actually takes a process in order to do that. It wasn't one person that did that. It was many people, and most of those people are Christians that should allow these things to happen, right? Amen? Yeah. But you know what she said at the end of her life? That all I've ever wanted was for someone to love me. I'm telling you. You look at people sometimes that look different than you. They act different than you. They do things to themselves, their bodies, and other people. It's because there is this insatiable desire inside everyone to be loved, to be accepted, to be cared for. You've seen it through children that are raised up, whether it's a male or a female, and they don't have those roles of a parent that's actually truly loving and helping them and nurturing them in order to become a great person, a great woman, or a great man of God. And you see them, what do they do? They're starving for love. And when they get to a certain age, they, they're gone, and they run off in order to do what? To find the first person that actually cares for them and says something sweet and loves on them. Because we have this hunger and we have this thirst. So hungry and thirsty comes from, well, not eating, not drinking. It comes from working and getting all of it out and we need more to take in for fuel. But it also comes because God has made us that way and that we should go, all right, Lord, if you've made us with this desire to love and to know more and to feel you more, then God, what have you done for us in order for us to be filled? in order for us to be fulfilled and to do those things. And he's given us the word of God. He's given us all of these things. Here's a reason that some people just in the uh, regular, not just in the physical, but just in regular everyday things, that they're not hungry. Well, first of all, it's because they've already eaten and they're full. I started to ask Miss Kim to give me a plate of pancakes. And for somebody that's already eaten out here, who ate with us tonight? Raise your hand. I was going to bring you a plate of pancakes. And I was going to say, here, could you eat them? Most everybody that I saw out there was almost to the point of Thanksgiving button release day. You know what I mean? 
they're sitting back going, whoo, you know. Then there's those few that go, ah, just go ahead and give it to me. But uh, you're, the reason sometimes we're not hungry is because we've already eaten, because we've already, we're already full of something else. And some of these things that can fill us up sometimes, it could be things like uh, doubt. Some of these things that fill us up sometimes could be like uh, depression or discouragement where we're just down and out and we're feeding off of that and we're just grabbing all of those things and God's over here going, I've got something for you. I've got something for you. And you come to him and you want it, but you can't receive it because you won't empty yourself. You know, there's an old song that says, empty and broken, I came back to him, a vessel unworthy. You know, what it talks about is that when we come to the Lord, you don't come in here into the church service tonight or on a Sunday or any time that we have service, any time in your prayer life or any time in your Bible reading. You've got to stop being so full of all of the other things that you think that you know and to think you have, and you just need to go before him and say, Lord, I come empty. I'm on empty. You know, I know that there's some of you in here, there's two types of people. There are some of you that if your gas tank gets under one quarter of a tank, you go and fill up. If you're at three quarters, you're, you're already going to fill up. There's some of you that know how many miles you have left when the light comes on, right? There's, there's, <laughs> there's people in here that do that. I know how much mine is, right? There's people, there's two different kinds of people. And uh, I'm just trying to be scriptural. I'm just trying my best to be a spiritual and scriptural person is that I don't go to the gas station if I've already got three quarters. I'm already good enough. I wait till I get empty, right? <laughs> but that's what you should do. Spiritually, you should come and say, Lord, you know, if it's a hard day, if it's a hard month, if it's a hard year, if it's whatever, if it's the biggest mountain or the lowest valley, whatever you're going through, God still wants you to come and say, I'm empty. Lord, I've emptied myself. And you know what you're saying when you do that? Lord, not only am I empty, but I've humbled myself. Because why? Because the Bible teaches us that all of these other things are kind of perishable foods. And I think it's found over here. Let's look in John chapter number 6, verse 26. It says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and you were filled. He said, labor not for the meat which perisheth. He says, for, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you, uh, for him hath God the Father sealed. You look at that, and he was talking about these disciples or these ones that were on the shore that he fed with the uh, two fish and five loaves, you know, and um, he does all of this for them. But then the next day he sees them again, and they're wanting more. And he says, but you're really not hungry, hungry. You didn't come to really see the miracle. You just want to come in order to fill your belly up. You just want to come, in other words, just kind of go through it. And you know, how many of us, if you'll be honest with yourself, how many of us, there's certain times in our lives where we get so monotonous, so routine. We're reading our Bibles. We're praying at a certain time every day. We go to church services. We go to the service five minutes till. We run five minutes when it's over with, and we do all, and we get out of the way. And it's like we're thinking that that's our great Christian life, and it's not. That's not our great Christian life. Reading, listen to me now. Please don't misunderstand me. If you're reading a devotion, I'm not talking about you, but just reading that five-minute devotion in your life, it may sustain you for a little bit, but you've got to have more as you grow. You've got to have more and more. We have so much at our hand and at our reach that we should never be the ones to say, I've not read the Word of God. 
We've got so much available to us. You've got a Bible anywhere you want. You've got a Bible at your home. You've got a Bible on your phone. And you say, Brother Steve, you've got apps that are on there. You've got devotions that are on there. You've got Bible reading plans that you can get. It will actually tell you at such and such time in the morning, it is time for you to read your devotion. You know what I mean? It's almost like Christian life for dummies. We've got all of that stuff, and it's just laid out there in front of us, and we sit back and go, well, I just don't have time. No, 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 no. We do, listen to this, and if you want to write it down, we do what we want to do. Every one of us in here, we do what we want to do. When I want to go fishing, it takes a whole lot of stuff to deter me from going fishing. And I'm talking about, you, you say, well, brother, see, it's only going to be 27. I got a big old huge bib that I can wear in a coat. I got gloves, and I even got a heater that I put in the boat. Well, it's going to be windy. Well, that's fine. I got ropes to tie the boat to the bridge, right? Let, it, because why? We do what we want to do. You say, Brother Steve, why don't people come to church sometimes? Because we do what we want to do. Why don't people read their Bible? Because we do what we want to do. You'll spend more time watching that great episode of television than you will just to get in the Bible. And when I, I'm not, not beating anybody. I got no knives, no guns, no billy clubs on me. But what I'm try, trying to say is, is that the five-minute devotion that you've been doing for 20 years you got to grow, and you got to go a little deeper, and you got to re- maybe, maybe make that thing up to seven minutes. Maybe spend a little bit more time. Maybe, maybe say, God, I need to wake up a little bit earlier so that I can do that. And I'm going to tell you, that's the hardest thing, but I believe God sacrifices, or God blesses your sacrifice of getting up. Listen, he says you can't feed off of all this other stuff. Here, here's what I want to say on this, is you can't always feed your Christian life on what the pastor's preaching on. And I don't mean that to be bad, like, okay, you just automatically went, oh, good, good, I don't have to come to church anymore. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. But you shouldn't always go, all right, well, I'm just going to go on what Brother Steve says. Now, see, you have a word of God, and you know what? You have access to all the wisdom of God as much as I do. And you can go into that word of God, and you can study. And there's too many people today that want to come into church and treat it like a USB port. You say, what are you talking about? If you've been on an airplane lately or been in a waiting room at a hospital or anything at all, we've got USB ports everywhere nowadays. We've got them on buses. We've got them underneath the seats. Uh, at my doctor's uh, in UAB in Gardendale now, they're everywhere. You look down and in the legs of the seats. I was looking the other day. I was like, good grief, there's USB ports. It seems like it's all down through there. Uh, I don't know. They're just making them all. Why? So when people come in that are like this all the time, Right? And before any of you older people say amen, I see you with your phones all the time. <laughs> all the time. Before any of you older saints of God say, yeah, bless God, they're on the phone all the time. I look at your Facebook all the time. <laughs> and you're on there from daylight to dark. Men and women. It got quiet, didn't it? <laughs> uh-huh. You know what? You know why there's so many USB ports? Because they got to plug up everywhere they go. Kids, go to the schools today and look down the hallways. They're called wall huggers. They're plugged in to the wall. Everyone's looking for a jack to plug into, a socket to plug into all the time. You know what? When you come to church, that's wonderful. That's what you're doing. But you should also know that you got to do that every day. And you need to say, all right, Brother Steve, I want to walk a better Christian walk. I want to be, to be a better child, son, or daughter of God. I want to be one that is more faithful, that is more obedient, that I want the Spirit, like David said, to overflow in me and restore all the joy of the salvation of God back into me. And I say that you can have that. 
Did you hear me? I say that you can have that. But you need to understand, you can't feed your flesh and feed the Spirit all the same food. You have got to feed the Spirit more than you do the flesh. Uh, 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 what was his name? Uh, a little bitty short guy who's a Methodist preacher, a, a black pastor for years, um, uh, Brother E.V. Uh, e. Hill. Uh, Dr. E.V. Hill used the illustration one time. He said, if you feed the black dog, more than you feed the white dog, you put them in a fight. He said, the black dog's going to beat the white dog to death. He said, but if you feed that white dog, the Holy Spirit of God in your life, more than you feed the flesh in your life, he said, then that spirit is going to override. You know why sometimes Christians get into this thing? I know, I understand, I am one, amen? Is that we get into this thing of how come I, I can't get that out of my head? I can't get that past. I can't get through that. It seems like that trial or that temptation or that struggle or that just keeps coming back and back and back and back and back. It's because why? You're feeding it. It is. Because why? We do what we want to do. You feed it. We feed it. And then we go, why don't we have victory over that? Why can't we have spiritual victory over that? It's because you fed that more than you fed the spiritual side of it all. That's why you need to go into the book and you get more of the Spirit so that you can be able to do it. And that's why Jesus said, you didn't come out here in order to see a miracle and be filled with spiritual gladness and joy. He said, no, you came out here because you want your bellies full. He said, that's a difference. That's the same way with church. We shouldn't come to church just so we could see Heath and Heath can see me. No. If we want to do that, we can do that at Jack's. And when we come to church, we should say, God, we want to see you. We want to hear from you. We want you to speak to us. Listen, uh, when it comes to uh, feeding our spiritual side and our fleshly side, um, you've got to know, all right, this goes here and this goes there. Paul understood that very clearly. But one of the things that I was going to share with you about an illustration is, is that my mom and my wife does not want you to eat anything before we have supper that evening. She doesn't want us to have anything. And you say, why? You'd go in. This is what Jacob does. Jacob sits down at the dinner table, and Patty has made chicken casserole. Mm. It's good. Chicken casserole. We've got it there, laid out. Everything in a casserole is good because it has some type of butter in it. And so it's laid out there on the table. The boys come to the table. They scoop out a little bit, and then they go, oh, I'm full. I'm telling you, you could see Patty. There's a vein that comes up right here in the middle of her head. And it's true. She's pushing it down right now. She's probably mad at me for telling it. But it comes up in the middle, and I can just go, you better, you probably need to eat some more. But this is the question she always asked, and my mom did too. What did you eat when you came home from school? Any mamas in here? What did you eat when you came home from school? Jacob goes, well, I didn't eat a lot. I just ate two beef stroganoff. Hot pockets or whatever those things are called, you know. He said, I only ate like two small pizzas, you know. And I'm like, man, you know, you know she's going to be cooking dinner. And you know this is going to happen. What would they tell you? What do they tell you? It's going to ruin your dinner. Well, it's not really the eating before dinner that ruins your dinner. It is the anger that comes out at the dinner table that ruins the dinner, right? And we shouldn't fill up on everything else and then come to God and say, okay, God, I got just a little bit more room and then you can come in. What I mean is, is you shouldn't wake up in the mornings. And I don't, I'm not, I just use this as an illustration. I'm not saying that you have to wake up early in the morning in order to do this. But the Bible does say to seek him early, right? Call on him while he's found. But anyway, you get up and you watch Fox News for 45 minutes and you filled yourself up with 14 deaths, 
three or four rape victims. You filled yourself up with all of this stuff of the world. And then you go to the Bible and go, God, I got a little bit of room. I'm frustrated, I'm angry, and I'm mad, but I need you to help me, and I need you to speak to me. Mm. Adrian Rogers said it like this. He said, we need to face the God of the day before we ever face any man or woman of the day. You need, before you get out of the bed, stretch your hands up and say, God, you've given me another day. And I want you to know how much I need you through this day. I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what this day would bring. But I want you to know before I ever talk to anybody else how much I need you to be real in my life today. Then go get in the Word. Spend time in the Word. If it's before you go to bed, that's wonderful. If it's before you do lunch, that's wonderful. But at some time or another, you've got to empty yourself out of everything that's going on around you. Let me tell you something. It's hard to read your Bible when you're frustrated and you're angry about something. It's hard to pray when you're frustrated. Even the Word of God, listen to this, women, you need to write this down. Even the Word of God tells us in Corinthians that a man's prayers would not be answered if he is at one with his wife. If they are at division with one another. Huh? Whenever y'all are arguing, just look at him and go, go pray. <laughs> go talk to the Lord about that, right? It won't happen. Because there's a hindrance. (laughs) There's a hindrance there. And so what what it is is that you're going to be filled with all this anger and you're going to be filled with this division and you're not going to have any room for God to be able to feel anything because what's he going to do? He's going to have to deal with what you're doing and what you're going through before he could ever give you anything that's good. Listen, if you don't eat, this was one thing my mom used to do to me. And uh, I think it passes down to every single woman. If you don't eat right then, this is what they say to you. Well, you better eat now. Because if you don't eat now, I ain't cooking again. And you will be sorry. You know, if you don't eat it now, you'll be sorry. What Jesus talks about, it says, Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. He says, Woe unto you that laugh. He said, For you shall mourn and weep. He said, What he's saying is there's going to come time. You know what I mean? If, if you filled yourself up at 2 o'clock and your parent, your mom has cooked something at, at 6 o'clock and at about 8 o'clock you want to come back in there, it was always, oh, I'm sorry, kitchen's closed, right? The kitchen is closed and so you don't do that. But anyway, here's the other things and we'll go home. Um, sometimes we're hungry and thirsty because uh, when we talk about being malnourished because it may be that we're sick. I don't like to be sick. I know you don't like to be sick. I don't like for you to come when you are sick, Right? Uh, no one likes to be sick. What happens when we're sick? We don't have an appetite. When we're sick, what do we do? People go, hey, eat this. And you go, hmm. When they say you need to eat something, hmm. My dad, two years ago, went through a big time in his life where he had a lot of surgeries. And basically, the, the two things he had um, caused septic shock into his body. And uh, they ended up basically cutting from here to here and rolling on the side of the hospital bed. And they washed him out and uh, cleaned him out and uh, irrigated him and stuff. It was very bad. And uh, when he was in the hospital, a lot of pain medications, a lot of things like that. And then when he finally got out, 23 days, 24 days, something like that, uh, when he finally got out, I was always in his face because I am gentle but yet firm. And I was always in his face going, you need to eat something. I can't eat. You got to eat. If you don't eat, you die. You don't have a feeding tube. You don't have all these things. You need to eat. Buddy, it was always this, buddy, I just don't feel like eating. And I said, I'm sorry, but you need to eat something. You've got to, I said, you got to have maybe some shakes or some, uh, not shakes, but uh, uh, 
Insurers, yeah, anybody know what that? You need to drink something, some protein shakes. So we went and we bought a bunch of them at Sam's Protein Shakes, and he was drinking them down. And then all of a sudden, he started liking Jack's uh, milkshakes, and we got him back to to wait and a little over. And uh, <laughs> so, but you had to eat. I, I can remember telling my grandmother, "You need to eat. You need to eat." I can remember telling people, my little boys, when they were sick, "You got to eat." I don't want to. Leave me alone. You need to eat something. Because why? When you're sick, you don't feel like it. But you do need a gentle, firm friend that will go, you're sick. The Bible tells us that we should do those things. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter number 1, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. It says, but let every man prove his own work, and let every, uh, uh, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. But it says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. The Bible tells us that we should go when we're sick. When we see people have wandered off and they've become malnourished because they've departed from being in the Word of God. It doesn't mean that they've departed from the Lord. It means they've departed from the obedience in the Lord. And sin will do that. Sin will cause people to do what? To isolate themselves, to be alone and to do all those things. Sometimes it's that way. And all of a sudden we need to go and say, hey, you're sick. You need to get the Word of God. You need to take the Word of God in. And not only does sin cause that, but there's even trials uh, temptations there I mean not temptations tribulations and trials and things that happen to us where it's just like we're dumbfounded and we can't think for a while you know what I mean it may even be something as simple as as something that's going on in your life it may be something like an argument or a fight between you and your spouse it may be a, a death it may be a friend it may be whatever it may be a work related thing where you've got laid off and you don't have your job anymore it may be something like that and before long you begin to draw in and draw in and draw in and you're not drawing enough from the Lord and what happens to us is that we get hungry and we get thirsty and we need a good friend we need a good brother and sister in Christ to go you need to eat something you need to eat something you need to remember that many are the afflictions of the righteous but God will deliver you out of them all you need to remember Jeremiah that that God's not made plans to harm you or to hurt you or to bring you down but to give you a purpose and an expected end you need to remind them that that though we walk through all of this stuff and we go through all of these trials that we reckon that that we've counted it up we've we've reckoned it in other words we've we've marked it up in our math mathematical solution and problem and we go we marked it up that we reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot be compared to the glory that will be revealed. Amen? That we need to be reminded. David said it, and he had to remind himself, read the Psalms, church. Read the Psalms. The Psalms are convicting. Amen? Read, go and take a hymn book. There are hymn books and hymns that are convicting. Some of the things that we're losing among the church today because some of those things were very convicting words. Some of those psalms are not psalms like 150, Brother Brandon, that go, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Some of those psalms are like 136 and 137. Psalms 137 that says, Oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endureth forever. Who has remembered us in our lowest state for his mercy endureth forever. And has delivered us from the hand of the Egyptians for his mercy endureth forever. Some of them 
or grabbing of the heart that say, God, restore the joy of thy salvation. Understand, do you understand that Psalms 51, Psalms 55, that those are psalms of praise, songs, (coughs) excuse me, hymns that were sang out, but yet listen to the conviction in them. He says, God, give me back my joy that I had with you. God, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Restore the joy of your salvation unto me. Then shall I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. See, they're convicting. Psalms 55. David said, if it was an enemy that had done this thing to me, I could have borne it. He said, but it was a man of my equal. We walked hand in hand in the house of God together. David's talking about a personal friend that he went to the temple of God with and worshipped God together with, had betrayed him. And he said, I found out that his words were smooth as butter, but war was in his heart. I found out that his words were smooth as butter, but yet his teeth were like knives and his back teeth were like swords. David's calling out in that psalm. That's what we need. You say, Brother Steve, you don't know the hurting that I'm going through. You don't understand the trial that I'm going through. You don't understand the temptation that I'm going through. Listen, there's no temptation and no sin that cannot be handled by God Almighty. And there's no trial or tribulation that you're going through that God can't help you through that situation. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is with us. We'll have no fear for His rod and His staff comfort us. Listen, you need to listen now. Because in about six weeks from now, you're going to be calling me up and you're going to be going, Oh, Brother Steve, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm going to remind you that you were asleep when we were talking about it. I'm going to remind you that you were not there. You were not feeding from the Spirit of God, feeding yourself in the Spirit. And you're going to go, Brother Steve, well, what's wrong? I feel like God's left me. It's because you're malnourished. And when it comes time to hear it, you didn't get it. That's why you need it every day. Listen, church, I'm going to close. That's why you need it every day. He says, blessed. Blessed. So what's the benefit of being hungry and thirsty? You know, the desire for food or for water when we're famished or when we're searching for food and water. What's the big blessing of it more than other times? And, and, and look at it with me one more time. I think I have it right here, Matthew. And I'm, I'm not going to go to the other, but I want you to look. Blessed are those which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And it ends right there, and then it kind of picks up and says, for they shall be filled. So to me, that word blessed means this. Blessed are those which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed, for they shall be filled. What it means to me is that are we blessed because we're hungry and thirsty or are we blessed because we're filled? It's both. It's both. We're blessed because we're hungry and thirsty. You know, I know you don't think of it this way, and I didn't, especially when my kids were tiny and they were infants. You knew they were hungry when they were just squalling and screaming and crying. It was, those, it was always one of two things, right? It was either upper or lower. It was always that. You figured out. Especially when they were too little to even get around on their own to hurt themselves. And then when they get into that stage, then you've got to start trying to decipher things. But it's great because when they get in that stage, they can start pointing to their mouth saying, I'm hungry, right? But when they were little, you'd go, okay, they're hungry. I mean, that's what they did. That's why probably I am the size and the way that I am is because why? Oh, he's hungry. Right? You know, uh, I roll over having a nightmare. Oh, uh, he's hungry. You know what I mean? That's the way parents did. That's, uh, I guarantee you every one of these grandparents that are in here, this, this is what they do. 
This is exactly what they do. And they go, oh, she's hungry or he's hungry. And you go, we just fed them. There's no way that they're hungry. Uh, and they treat you like your kids have never eaten. You know, like they're, they're little bitty uh, uh, malnourished little orphans. You know, they never eat or anything because they go to grandma's house. and Oh, you must be hungry. Here's a three-pound chocolate bar. <laughs> right? And makes the parent, we make the parents feel really bad about it all, you know. It's a blessing. It really is a blessing that when that child cries out because they're hungry, because their bodies are needing something. It's a blessing because you can decipher and go, they're hungry. But you know what? It's also a blessing because they can be filled. You can handle that. You know what? Think about when we call out to God when we're desperate. When we're desperate. Think of the moments in your life, if you don't mind, just before we leave tonight. Think of the moments in your life where you were desperate for God. Those times in your life where you were going, Lord, I can't face today. I don't know if I can face this day. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. I am desperate. I need you more than anything. I need you. That's a blessing for the Lord. You know why, Brother Bill? Because you've got a God in heaven that is blessed by your hunger and by your thirst. Because you know what, he's, you know what he sees? He sees, I can handle and I can help you because you're empty and what you're needing, I can give you. I can give you. When we're fat and happy, as all little babies would get sometimes, we don't need it. We don't need it. You, you ever see babies when they finally, or little toddlers, when they finally can hold the bottle on their own? You ever see them before? I love that. You give it to them in the beginning, and it's like, ah, you know what I mean? And they're like, whoo, and all of a sudden, there's peace in the valley. There's no talking. There's no crying. All you hear is just, whoop, whoop, whoop. Then... When they get full is what I love. I love it when the little babies get full because what do they do? It goes, and, and they just throw it to the side and they just lay there. Uh, if their diapers had buttons, they'd unbutton them. Have you ever seen those babies like that? Doesn't it make you feel good as a parent? It does. It makes you feel good because why? When they cry, yes. If sometimes, and especially girls, baby infant girls have a higher pitch and tone. It's like it goes up your back and you go, oh, dear Lord, they're hungry. You know, let's go get something to hurry up. But it's a blessing because you go, okay, I can help you. And you give it to them. And when they're satisfied, you're even more happy. Why? Because you pick them up and they're looking at you going, they're like on milk overdose, you know. And I'm serious, y'all. Anybody remember this stuff? I remember this stuff. They're looking at you, and they're smiling, and they're laughing, and they're doing other things in moments, you know. Because what goes in, right? But they do all this stuff, and they're happy for a moment. But then they have to come back and get more. And then they're happy for a moment and come back and get more. That's us. That is us. Sometimes we've waited to the last moment to be desperate and to call out. When God wanted you to do it in the beginning, there was a woman of 12 years, waited 12 long years before she finally called out to the Lord. But he was there, and he could satisfy and did satisfy her need. I'm going to close with this. I was going to close with Deuteronomy, but I'm going to close with this. Look at Psalms, what it says right here in uh, chapter 63. He says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. You know what he's saying? David's saying in the psalm, I'm desperate. I'm at the place of desperation.
He says, I, I want to see your power and your glory, so as I've seen in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul, look, shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. He said, I just want you to know, Lord, that you satisfy everything in my life. You fill me more than any other thing. But it only comes if you're desperate. It only comes when you're desperate. Haven't you noticed, how many of you have been saved 10 years or more? Haven't you noticed a pattern in your life? That when your family may be falling apart, you become this desperate person that needs God. You need God to do something. You need God to move. You, you have this action of, oh, God, i got to have something now. Regardless if you've spent the last 20 years planting seeds and tearing down your marriage, you become so desperate that you want it to be fixed in two weeks by God or by counseling, right? When God says, no, you need to grow, sow more seeds and allow that to grow. But you become desperate. God, please don't let me lose my family. God, please don't let me lose my job. Please. But how many times did you go to work through the last 25 years never even thinking about losing your job? Right? But when that one meeting happens and they say something about cutbacks, cutbacks, you become so desperate and you start praying more and praying more. I need to help you tonight, help you to understand you need to live your life that way every day. You need to live your life desperate for God every day. Telling Him always how much you need Him. How much you need His instruction, His help, and His guidance. Don't wait till problems, temptations, trials, valleys, all this stuff come up before you get a serious prayer life with God. Don't do that. God doesn't want that. He wants you to be that desperate for Him every day. Do you remember what it was like to be a kid? Some of you, it's been a long time. Many sons have come up and gone down since then. But do you remember what it was like when you depended on everything from a parent? That you ne Listen, you ladies, you guys, you never asked the question, what do y'all want to eat tonight? You just went to the table and it was there. Do you know what I mean? And if you had a mom like mine, you ate it or you didn't get anything. She said, you can eat it or just, it's fine, you know. It was true. But you know what? She'd always make some good meals, fancy meals for us, you know. We'd always have good stuff. But I never gave thought to it. Never gave thought to it. Now, it's not until you grow up that you start realizing they always provided. They were always there. They always did and they always blessed. Even when I whined and cried because of my hunger and thirst for even things, they were always there. You know what? I was blessed. Now, I know not all of you had the raising that I had, but I was blessed. I was blessed to have, we had enough biscuits. I was blessed to have, you know, heat, stuff like that. We didn't have air till June 1. We couldn't turn it on till June 1 every, every year, unless Dad was at work and Steve turned it on, but it didn't matter. But you know what? We didn't have a whole lot, but you were blessed. So stop and think for a moment. Do you remember when your whole Christian walk depended on everything that he was doing and not what you've been convinced now about you need to do more, you need to be a 
more Sunday school teacher. You need to be a song director. You need to be a pastor. You need to be. But yet your walk with him was, Lord, I depend on you upon everything. Everything that I need comes from you. Everything that I have comes from you. You know what it is? It's a blessing. It's a blessing. So if you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, you're blessed. But if you're being filled, you're also blessed. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for my friends tonight, this church.